The following audio is from the Grove Church Marysville campus. For more information about our church or to listen to previous sermons, check out our website at grove.church. Well, welcome everyone to Drive-In Church this morning. Hey, my name is Jesse. I'm the youth pastor at our Marysville campus, if I have not met you yet. Uh, If you're wondering who I am during Drive-In Church world, I am the guy who's at the exit as you leave, who's like going like this with his arms directing you out. Uh, Just I don't have the yellow vest on today, so if you can't recognize me, that is why. But again, I'm the youth pastor here, and I'm excited for the opportunity to get to share with everyone this morning. And before we jump in, I just want to say a quick shout out to everyone from our Snohomish campus who may be in attendance today. We are so glad that you are here. Thank you guys for being faithful in this season. Also a shout out to all of those who are tuning in online today. It is good to see you guys. Well, I guess I can't actually see you, but I trust that you're there. That you're there. The rest of you, it's really good to see your smiling headlights this morning. Hello to you as well. Well, hey, we're jumping in to week number five of our series today, so let's go ahead and dive in. Once upon a time, there was a woman by the name of Hannah. Hannah isn't a character from the Bible who is one of the most renowned characters. She doesn't have a big portion of the scriptures written about her. In fact, it only factors out to be about 39 verses in the chapter of verse of 1 Samuel. Hannah didn't fight in any heroic battles. She didn't slay any giants. She didn't do anything like that. And when someone asks you who your favorite character is from the Bible, typically it's not going to be Hannah. Hannah, as we see in the story, she lived a very ordinary life for her day and age, much like you and I all live ordinary lives today. And But today, I believe that there is a key element of her story that all of us can relate to. Hannah, as we see in this story, is married to a man named Elkanah. And Elkanah has a second wife named Peninnah. Now, Elkanah loved Hannah more than Peninnah, but Peninnah had one distinct advantage over Hannah, and that is that she was able to have children while Hannah was barren. Peninnah exactly had seven kids, which is a lot, and we see that Hannah was not able to have even just one. As we follow this family, we see that every single year they would travel to a place called Shiloh to offer sacrifices to their God. This was a long journey, and this dysfunctional family unit would get up every year and make this journey to go and worship God. Part of this ceremony was that a meal was actually given to everyone in attendance, and for the women who were there, they were actually given a portion of the meal based on how many children they had. So every single year, Penina always received more than Hannah did. Now, rather being gracious to Hannah and her situation, rather than being encouraging, Peninnah was jealous of the fact that Elkanah loved Hannah more than Peninnah. And so what Peninnah would do is she would actually flaunt the fact that she could have kids in front of Hannah. She would antagonize her and remind her of the fact that she was barren. You see, Hannah had this dream of motherhood, and it was a crushing thing, especially for a woman in ancient Hebrew culture, to not be able to have children. And in the midst of her pain, rather than helping her feel better, her family 
This second wife continues to prod and to poke at her pain to antagonize and to mock her. She did this out of envy, and it was so constant year after year that it caused Hannah to come to a place where all she could do was to weep and pray about her dream of motherhood that was seemingly impossible. This is where we meet Hannah in this raw moment of emotion, trying to deal with this grief and pick up the shattered pieces of a dream that feels so out of reach. This is where we meet Hannah in today's story. And it's this moment of brokenness that I believe all of us can relate to at one point or another in our lives. You see, if we're all honest, we would agree that at one point or another, we've been crushed because of a dream that feels impossible. How many people out there today would say that when you were a little kid, you had a dream of what you wanted to be when you grew up and you are not that currently? right? I think a lot of us can relate to that. For myself, I remember I wanted to be a Seattle Mariners baseball player. That was my dream. That was the highest aspiration. That was what I looked to. And now, thankfully, looking back over the last 20 years of Mariners history, I'm really glad I'm a youth pastor instead. Now, I love the Mariners. They're my team, but it was a little tough. Joy, who's my wife, she's right back here. She's amazing. She leads worship. And Joy, actually, as a kid, wanted to grow up and become a dolphin trainer at SeaWorld. She actually wrote them letters and expressed her desire, and they wrote her back, which is actually the highlight of her life next to meeting me, of course. So those are dreams that we had. And I remember coming to a place where I was in sixth grade. I went to a summer camp and the speaker did this moment at the end of service where he said, hey, if you're out there today and you want to discover God's will for your life and ask him what he wants you to do, like what's your calling? Would you please come down to the front and pray? So here I am, I'm like 12 or 13 years old. I make my way down to the front after this service and I'm praying and I began to feel God lay it on my heart like I want you to be a youth pastor. Now that is contrary to everything that I thought my dreams were. Number one was a baseball player. Number two was a firefighter. Number three was an astronaut. I thought all three of those things were very realistic expectations. But I remember praying back to the Lord and saying, God, if I am too nervous to even talk to a girl, how can I tell people about Jesus? And I remember he just said back, like, this is what you're supposed to do. I was like, okay, Lord. So I went for it. But Hannah's dream in this story is the dream of motherhood. But for her, this dream seems impossible. And for all intents and purposes, it seems like God may have something else in mind. And I believe that all of us today can relate to having a dream that feels impossible. Examples of these impossible dreams could be this. Maybe for you, you're out there and you've recently lost a job. And it's because of this whole pandemic we're navigating and things are tough and things are tight and you had these dreams of that were financial goals, these dreams of taking trips, whatever it is, you had these dreams which now feel impossible. Maybe for you, you're mourning things that you've had to lay down either in this season or dreams you've given up from a long time ago. One, one group of people I think of specifically are graduating seniors and their families. Having that entire dream of graduation and what that would look like pan out so entirely differently. Maybe you're here this morning and for you, it's simply a struggle with a relationship that has ended or that is struggling. You felt like things were going to be a certain way, that it was going to pan out, things were going to go a certain direction, but now everything looks different and the dream of it being different feels impossible. 
If we're honest this morning, Grove Church, we can relate to the story of Hannah. We've been praying and crying out to God for the fulfillment of dreams in our life, but the blessing seems to have been withheld at least for a time. When we're navigating these seasons, it can be easy for us to feel frustrated and angry when we look around and it seems like everyone else's dream is being fulfilled but our own, especially if it's people that you don't feel like deserve it. Wherever you find yourself today, I think we can all identify at one point or another with this question, and that is, does God hear my prayers? When I feel like my dreams are impossible, when I'm crying out to God in those moments of brokenness, does God hear my prayers? Is God listening? And it's this moment of brokenness where we dive into Hannah's story this morning. In 1 Samuel chapter 1, we're starting in verse 9, and it says, Once they had finished eating and drinking in Shiloh, Hannah stood up. Now Eli, the priest, was sitting on his chair by the doorpost of the Lord's house. In her deep anguish, Hannah prayed to the Lord, weeping bitterly. And she made a vow, saying, Lord Almighty, if you will only look on your servant's misery and remember me, and not forget your servant, but give her a son, then I will give him to the Lord for all the days of his life, and no razor will ever be used on his head. As she kept on praying to the Lord, Eli observed her mouth. Hannah was praying in her heart, and her lips were moving, but her voice was not heard. Eli thought she was drunk and said to her, How long are you going to stay drunk? Put away your wine. Not so, my Lord, Hannah replied. I am a woman who is deeply troubled. I have not been drinking wine or beer. I was pouring out my soul to the Lord. Do not take your servant for a wicked woman. I have been praying here out of my great anguish and grief. Eli answered, Go in peace, and may the God of Israel grant what you have asked of him. She said, May your servant find favor in your eyes. Then she went her way and ate something, and her face was no longer downcast. Early the next morning, they arose and worshipped before the Lord, and they went back to their home at Ramah. Elkanah made love to his wife Hannah, and the Lord remembered her. So in the course of time, Hannah became pregnant and gave birth to a son. She named him Samuel, saying, Because I asked the Lord for him. See, one of the reasons I love this story of Hannah is because as Hannah is navigating this impossible dream, we see that Hannah never stops asking God to fulfill her dream. Grove Church, this morning, what is it that you are asking God for? What dream are you praying about that seems impossible? Are you asking God for a miracle with your finances? Are you asking God maybe for a miracle of physical healing? Are you asking God for a miracle of your family so that dreams in all of these areas can be realized? What is it that you're asking God for? I love what Romans 12, 12 says in the New Living Translation. It says, rejoice in our confident hope. Be patient in trouble and keep on praying. See, what this verse means for me as I look at this story of Hannah is that Hannah knew and understood that her only hope for her dream to be fulfilled was found in God and God alone. Hannah was so patient in her troubles that she even sustains years and years of being antagonized and mocked that her dream was seemingly impossible. 
It didn't matter what insults she received. It didn't matter what was said to her. She faithfully continued to be patient and to hope in God. And through it all, Hannah never stopped praying. Year after year, she went to this ceremony. Year after year, she made that journey. Year after year, she prayed for her dream of motherhood to be realized. And for us, our dreams today probably look vastly different. Maybe we've given up on our dreams, so we've simply stopped praying about it. As this verse says, to continually pray, we're doing the opposite because we've come to a place where we no longer believe for ourselves that it is possible. Maybe we've become discontent and bitter because we're unable to wait for God's timing. We say, God, I've been praying for this dream to be fulfilled for 20 years and it hasn't happened yet. Are you out there? Do you even care? Are you even listening? Maybe we've put our hope in our dreams instead of the God who can fulfill them. And that's so crucial. If we place our dreams, our hope in the dreams that we're looking to, but not in God, then we'll constantly be discouraged. So Grove Church, I ask again, what are you asking God for? And can I encourage you to never stop praying? Whatever dream is you are longing to see fulfilled, whether you are 20, 30, 40, 50, or 60, whatever dream you are longing to see fulfilled, never stop praying. Always be patient in the process. Submit yourselves to whatever God may be doing in your heart in that moment. Keep your hope in God and not in the dream itself where it belongs. The next thing I love about this story is that Hannah was willing to surrender her dream to God. If we jump back to verse 10, here's what it says. In her deep anguish, Hannah prayed to the Lord, weeping bitterly. And she made a vow saying, Lord Almighty, if you will only look on your servant's misery and remember me and not forget your servant, but give her a son, then I will give him to the Lord for all the days of his life. And no razor will ever touch his head. You see, just to jump into this moment, what Hannah is essentially promising the Lord is that when her son is born, she will surrender him entirely and give him up to God. We see in the story that his name is Samuel because she asked the Lord for him. Even in his name, there is the fact that he is dedicated completely to the Lord. Now, just to understand what this means, she's literally going to give Samuel up. He's going to go live at the temple, be in service to the Lord. And from the point on, when she gives him up after he's born, she's only going to see Samuel once a year for the rest of her life. She has this dream of motherhood, which she's been praying for for years. And she comes to this place where she's willing that once that dream is fulfilled, to give it completely to God. Now, when I think about that, I think about back when I was a college student, praying really hard for an A on an exam or a paper, but then coming to a place where I say, but God, if I get this A, I want to give it to a less fortunate classmate. Like, right? Like that doesn't make sense logically in my mind. But Hannah makes this sacrifice. The more you study the significance of her son, though, things begin to make sense. You see, Samuel goes on to be a key figure and leader and voice of wisdom in the nation of Israel. Samuel becomes an anointer of the first kings of Israel. Samuel goes on as an adult to be a prophet and to put many of the systems and structures in place that have allowed Israel to flourish into the nation it is to this day. It is because of what Samuel was able to do. But this would not have happened had Hannah not surrendered him completely to the Lord. Had she not taken this dream of motherhood and surrendered it entirely. 
The story tells us, when you're reading in the first initial verses of the chapter, that the Lord had closed Hannah's womb, meaning that for that time, she was unable to be pregnant. And what I think about when I reflect on this is what if God delayed the fulfillment of that dream until she was willing to surrender that dream back to him? I often reflect on how this story would have panned out if God had granted the dream the first time that Hannah had prayed. What if the first time Hannah realized she was barren and prayed for a child, God said, okay, here you go. Hannah never comes to that place of dedication to God. Hannah doesn't fully surrender her dream to the Lord. Samuel probably would have grown up. They probably would have had a nice, simple life together. But I imagine they probably wouldn't have touched the pages of Scripture. Samuel wouldn't have gone on to have a book of the Bible named after him. Things would have looked so differently. But what do we see Hannah do in this story? Even though that dream that and that prayer is not answered immediately, Hannah continually worships God despite her situation. Hannah is respectful and holds her head up high, even around those who mock her. Hannah prays and earnestly seeks God year after year, no matter what her circumstance is. And finally, she offers her first child the dream which she has been praying for in complete surrender and dedication to the Lord. What if God prevented Hannah from having a child? until she was willing to completely surrender that dream to him? What if God prevented her dream from being fulfilled until only he could get a credit for a miracle that only he could do? What if God had to do something in Hannah's heart so that she would be ready for God's purpose for her life and for Samuel's life? And what if Grove Church, when it comes to our dreams, When it comes to the things that we're longing for, even in this moment, God is working this same process in our hearts today. Psalm 37, 4 says this, Take delight in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Take delight in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Now, this verse doesn't mean that if I take delight in the Lord, and I really desire a brand new truck, I'm going to wake up the next morning, and there it is in the driveway, sparkling clean. That's not what this verse is saying. But rather, a commentary I was reading puts it this way. It says, the order of these words makes all the difference between a religion of selfishness and a religion of love. It does not say the Lord will give you what your heart is set on, therefore delight in him, but rather delight yourself in the Lord. Let him be your joy, your fountain of happiness and your object of desire. Then your most earnest petitions, deepest wants, highest aspirations shall all be satisfied with him. Grove Church today, what if the reason Hannah waited so long for a child was because God was waiting for her to come to a place of true delight in him before anything else until she was willing to even surrender this dream to him? You see, many of us this morning, we have dreams that we are hanging on to, prayers that we are wondering if God is listening to. But what if he is simply waiting for us to come to a place of taking a delight in him, of placing our hope in him, of surrendering our dream to him so that God can work a miracle in our life and fulfill those dreams that only he can do. In this story, we see that Hannah is faithful. 
She dedicates Samuel, this dream of motherhood to the Lord. And the scriptures tell us that God in turn blesses her, not with one, not with two, not with three, not with four, but with five more children. Hannah, when she is willing to surrender this dream, it turns out radically different than she anticipated, but God blesses her even more abundantly on the other side. If you surrender your dreams to the Lord, he will satisfy your heart. And it may be in another way than what you expected. The dream could pan out entirely differently than the way you thought that it would. But just like we see in Hannah's story, when the dream pans out differently, it's even better than she initially imagined. Even though Hannah gave up her son and only saw him once a year, God blessed her with five more children. And Grove Church this morning, when it comes to our dreams that we're looking to, when it comes to the longings of our heart that we're looking to see fulfilled, I believe that one, our hearts seem to be satisfied in God, but that he is faithfully working to satisfy our hearts and to fulfill those dreams. You know, about eight years ago, I was 18 years old and I was a freshman in college at a little place called Northwest University. And I remember leaving home and being so excited to be on my own and go out and do my own thing. And so I did the really rebellious thing and I went to Bible college. That was my story. And I remember moving out and studying to become a pastor and I'm a freshman in college and I was into this sport called longboarding. Now, if you're not familiar what a longboard is, picture a skateboard, but longer. There you go. That's what it is. And I found a group of friends eventually at my church and our school who were all into longboarding. And so every, you know, once or twice a week, every week we would go outside and there were a lot of hills around the school and we would go ride our boards down these hills as fast as we could. And so we go out there one day or riding down and typically I would go from about halfway up because I wasn't the most confident. But one day I was feeling like a pretty confident college freshman, which that's always a bad idea to be around that. But I go up to the top of the hill I remember I start longboarding down this hill and the board gets what's called speed wobbles. And it's when you're going really fast and the board wobbles. Don't you love how like everything is so literal with the names in the story? So the board starts wobbling and I remember I get thrown off this board and I hit the pavement. I was going about 35 miles an hour down this hill. I wasn't wearing a helmet, didn't have any of that kind of stuff on. So not the smartest idea. And so I have this terrible accident and I learned that day I get really sassy, like when I'm in pain, because I'm laying there on the ground and this lady comes up to me and she says, you need to stay down, you might have a neck injury. And so I like noticeably crane my neck around and I look at her and I say, do I look like I have a neck injury to you? So if I'm in pain, just don't talk to me. So that happens. Now I get loaded up in the ambulance. I'm taken off to the, the hospital. And prior to this accident, I remember I was trying to do so much of my life on my own power. I was trying to lead a mission strip because I felt like it was the right thing to do and that if I could do that, then I would have arrived. I remember exiting a relationship I probably shouldn't have been in at that time because, again, trying to do things on my own. I was working a job because I was so uh, trusting and being able to provide for myself in that moment. I remember having to withdraw from my classes, from going to school. And I remember having this moment of brokenness where I felt like everything was taken away and all of these dreams felt so impossible. And so one night I'm in the ICU, I'm laying there in the bed, my family's gone home, the lights are off. And I remember praying and clearly hearing God ask me in that moment, now that all of this has been taken away from you, what do you have and in that moment of brokenness, in that moment of feeling like my dreams are ripped away, I had to come to a place where I just said, Lord, in this moment, all I have is you. 
And it was in that moment of brokenness. It was in that moment where I surrendered my dreams for my future back to God. When I fully restored the fact that God himself needed to be my delight. And sometimes it takes those moments for all of us or those seasons where things are painful, where things are broken, where we're suffering for God to get our attention and remind us that our delight needs to be in him and him alone, that we even need to surrender our hopes and dreams to him and trust that he will satisfy our hearts. If you remember nothing else today, remember this and write it down. God uses our suffering to bring about his purpose for our lives. God used Hannah's suffering God used her story being delayed and drawn out in her dream of being a mother. God used that entire process to not only bless Hannah, but to bring about his purpose for the nation of Israel. And for all of us today, Grove Church, whatever dream we're facing, if we feel like it's not happening the way we want it to, if we feel like it's taking too long, can I encourage you that God may be using your suffering to bring about his purpose for your life? So what this means for us today is this. There are three things that we should be doing. Number one, we need to continually pray about our dreams. We need to continuously pray and say, God, would you do something here that only you can do? And what I love so much about this morning is we're launching drive-in prayer. Meaning that after this gathering, all you have to do is turn on your hazard flashers and the parking team will direct you. And there will be people who are willing to pray with you from six feet away, of course. But we're believing that as we pray together, that God will do miracles in our lives, that dreams will be fulfilled and that he will do something in all of our hearts. Next thing is this, we need to be patient in the process. Maybe you're out there and your dream has been a year or two drawn out. Maybe it's been drawn out for 20 years. Wherever we are at, we need to be patient in the process. And this process can be painful but we need to trust that God is actively working at refining us and fine-tuning us into the people that he is creating us to be. The last thing is this, and that is that we need to surrender ourselves completely to Jesus. Before you surrender any dream, before you surrender any aspect of your life, the first thing you have to surrender is your heart. And I don't know if you're out here today and you accidentally drove in and you saw someone in a yellow vest and they told you to park and so you did and you don't actually know what this whole church thing is about. We're glad that you're here. Maybe you're here today and this is your first time back at church in a while. Can I tell you that before you surrender any dreams or anything else to God, you have to first surrender your heart to him. And so what I'd love for us to do right now in this moment is we're going to close in prayer. And we're going to start with a simple prayer of salvation, acknowledging that Jesus gave his life for you and that if you surrender your heart to him, that is the way for him to satisfy your heart, your dreams, and your desires. So Grove Church all around this place, would you pray with me? God, I thank you so much for this opportunity. God, that you've given us to continue to gather together in this season. God, I thank you that no matter what we're going through, God, you are faithful. God, that you are good. And God, that you will satisfy the desires of our hearts. So God, we lift up the hopes and the dreams that are represented right now. God, I pray, Lord, that you would encourage our hearts. God, that you would help us to trust in you. God, would you be the one thing that can satisfy our hearts, no matter how our future pans out. God, may we always look to you and place our hope in you. If you're out there this morning and you want to accept Jesus into your heart, I'm just going to ask you in your car to simply pray this prayer after me, but just say, Dear God, thank you so much for your great love for me. 
God, I confess that I've made mistakes. I confess I've messed up. But God, today I confess that you gave your son Jesus to die for my sins and to give me new life in you. So Jesus, would you heal my heart? Help me to surrender. We pray this in your name. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Grove Church Marysville Sermon Podcast. If you want to keep up with us, like us on Facebook, Instagram, or visit our website at grove.church.